Hey sisters, I'm kicking off the interview portion of the July health series today with lifestyle coach Alicia Carlson. And we have a really awesome, fluid conversation of, man, the ups and downs of dieting, the non-diet approach, what is your food story, really, what do you want your food to story and life to look like from good food versus bad food? Is there any such thing as falling off the wagon? Or is there really just not a wagon? And are there guardrails? Are there not? Like, it was such a good conversation. You're going to really, really enjoy this. Get some paper out if you want to take some notes. But I think by the end of this episode, you will have a new awareness of possibly what's holding you back from living your best healthy life. And if so, I'd love to hear from you. Do not forget that reviews are super important. Five stars are super important. I appreciate you for listening and being here. So if you can take the time to just hop over to wherever you listen to this podcast, write a review. And if you even want to go a little step further and share it in your Instagram stories, that would be awesome too. I know Alicia would be tickled to be tagged and so would I and yes I said tickled because that is a southern thing so so glad you're here and enjoy this month this is going to be so much fun learning a little bit more about various health options and just really being educated by these amazing women enjoy it hey sister do you feel stuck do you feel like you're living each day over and over on a loop maybe you feel like a failure because you keep telling yourself that today will be different. You wake up each morning hoping to do better, but when the afternoon rolls around, all your promises to yourself are shot. And society screams, you deserve to have that drink, eat that piece of cake, and scroll mindlessly through social media. Hi, I'm Michelle Porterfield, certified mindset and breakthrough coach, mom of three, former daily wine drinker, excuse maker, and promise breaker. Coffee's my jam, dry shampoo is my BFF, and I am so glad you're here. I have created this community to help you walk in faith towards freedom from alcohol and other strongholds like it. Together, we will work to show you your value, your strength, and your ability to overcome. So pop in your earbuds and go for a walk, or buckle up for your commute, girl. Get ready for straight talk and the truth, because it's time to elevate your mindset, develop healthy routines, and begin to thrive alcohol-free. So yay, I'm here with my friend Alicia and I am looking forward to this conversation. I know you ladies are going to thoroughly enjoy it. So thanks for coming on and talking with me today, Alicia. Hey, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this has been kind of a long time coming. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I want you to share in your words kind of who you are, what you do, a little bit about your um, podcast, and then we'll talk about your journey. Yeah. um, My name is Alicia Carlson. I am a health and life coach. um, So I lovingly dub that a lifestyle coach. Um, Really what I was finding as a certified nutrition coach and fitness coach with the clients, it's like um, there would just always be kind of that implementation gap. So, you know, we could work on specific nutrition habits or the routines and all of these things, but if it's not getting implemented, like there's something else kind of happening. And so that's where I really started to introduce uh, just general life coaching into the health coaching stuff that I was doing. Um, But I think what 
kind of makes what I do a little bit different than what you might see out across the board is I do really take kind of this non-diet approach and perspective uh, with the work that I do. And a lot of that is very closely tied to my own journey with food and my weight and exercise, um, but really like the deeper heart issues around trying to earn my worth or my value or my place in the world through accomplishments, achievements, and ultimately, I think I first noticed it in kind of trying to earn all of that through what I looked like, um, through extensive chronic dieting and over-exercising. And unfortunately, a lot of the behaviors that I actually see out across the fitness landscape right now is being promoted as a healthy lifestyle, if you will. Hmm. I bet some ears just perked up because <laughs> I, I think uh, at some point in our lives, we can fall under those, any of those traps of, hmm. I know just even recently with the whole fitness thing, just my new awareness of that, just really understanding at 46 years old, how different things are for my body and how that that's not a bad thing. Like it's been really fun exploring that. And I know that a lot Mm -hmm. of women are still trying to focus on this, you know, uh, right thing, wrong thing, this workout, that workout. So I know you have a podcast and we, you know, we are going to cover some different conversations. I definitely want to touch on that. And then kind of where you are as far as when I ask you what you've been set free from, we can start there and then kind of go and see what, what we uh, get into. Yeah. So if I'm understanding right, the question is, what have I been set free from? Mm-hmm. Um, well, gosh, I feel like, where do you even start? <laughs> I think this last year, there was a lot of deep excavation of my heart. Um, and I really feel like this year, God has been so good to kind of turn that into healing. Um, and in fact, like, even as I was saying that, that song, I think by elevation, uh, graves into gardens just comes to mind. But I think really like the core of my journey really is the freedom from the diet mindset, the diet mentality, um, and the overarching diet culture. Okay. And just really like the messages around what my body should look like, how I should eat, how I should exercise. Um, but I think it was like so much more pervasive than just to my body. It's what kind of a wife should I be or what kind of a mom should I be? Or as a Christian woman, I shouldn't be too ambitious or I shouldn't be too outspoken or, um, you know, all these different things. And so I think that the journey of becoming free or being set free started with breaking free from the diet mentality or the diet lifestyle. But over the last three years, really, I've seen God just start to break down the walls and the gates and set me free in so many other areas as well. Mm. I love that you mentioned that because when we start the journey, it typically is this like big thing that's sort of been the overarching issue, which for me was wine and the stronghold. Um, for you, it was more of the diet and fitness. So, but that's only the start. And I, mm-hmm. I think that we get, 
I don't know. There's some, there's excitement there when we start to break free and then we start to see these other areas of our lives popping up. But I also see that as a frustration for my women and women in general. We're like, man, I thought that if I just worked through this one thing, everything was just going to be all right. And it's like, well, why is this other issue popping up? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's for me, it's, it's been there all along, my dear, you know, it's kind of that, that idea. So let's talk a little bit about how you help your women. And just even in this conversation, if we have them and they're because they're walking through the journey here with me with alcohol and things like that. But there's also many other women listening that have been there or they're just curious because they, they enjoy some of the topics on the podcast. I am doing this help series this month. So how can we start to help them from day one go, oh, well, wait a minute what do you mean I don't have to do the, the keto or the vegan or use this app only? Like how can I begin to break free from that? Yeah. Uh, first I just want to touch on that idea that you kind of mentioned where it really is like every area of your life. You know, like you said, oftentimes it is just revealed maybe in like the predominant stronghold of your life, but because I do believe like how we do anything is how we typically do everything. So it's like, if you notice certain patterns or tendencies in an area, rest assured, like that's showing up in other ways. And if you don't actually resolve it, then it just does keep kind of coming up and manifesting and showing up in other parts of your life. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it is important to know, like whether you're working on being set free from an alcohol addiction or abuse or whatever, or dieting and really, you know, this idea that there's a a certain way that you should look or eat or exercise. Um, Just know that if you kind of skim and you try to just like rush through the work, all of that stuff will just keep resurfacing in other areas. Um, And then in terms of I'm sorry. I forgot the second part of what you said. No, that's okay. Because (laughs) actually I want to even say that is I have seen this and I'm sure you have your clients where I have seen women and men and anyone, they do the skim work. And I love how you say that because they're like, okay, well, I'll just not do this for, you know, the challenges, the 30 day challenges. And they do the, the limited willpower or the you know, I'll just really, really focus on this, but they don't go deep. And then they wonder why in a few months they're back to the same place. They were the same level of, you know, hooked on the sugar or hooked on the, the idea that they're supposed to do these things. So going deeper is super important. So the main question is how do we help guide them? Because I just think that what you do specifically is a big deal because I've even really been working on just like the body scan of like checking in with my body and deciding, am I hungry? Am I bored? So we know this is deeper. So if you have someone that's, that's listening or that comes to you and says, listen, all I've ever known is either count calories or do what this meal plan says. Like how, how do you even start? I think, um, I, it's actually so funny. I just did my own podcast episode that I came out yesterday on this topic of why we struggle with food. And 
what I see so much is that we are just looking for somebody to tell us, well, just tell me what to eat or tell me how much to eat and tell me how much to exercise and how many calories to burn and the macros and the points are like, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we essentially are outsourcing that responsibility, that ownership, that stewardship, if you will, of being able to know our bodies, know what our body needs, be able to feed it. And we've been fed really this idea that we can't trust ourselves, I think, from, you know, medical providers, from the diet industry, from the food industry, um, that we don't know how to feed ourselves. We need somebody else to tell us exactly how much to eat and all of these kinds of things. And so when we're constantly looking for the expert to tell us what to do, or we're looking for somebody outside of ourselves to tell us all of these different things, then we're essentially silencing our body's ability to speak to us and for us to be able to discern and to hear that. And so I think, you know, one of the first things that I like to do with my clients is let's kind of understand your, what I call your food story. So what is your current relationship with food right now? You know, how, how did you grow up seeing the women in your family eat or talk about food or their bodies or weight or what were kind of those overarching predominant messages that you really latched onto at an early age? Because that's the stuff that tends to shape how we show up and how we behave. Um, so for me, like I can kind of look at certain women in my life and I can see different behaviors or patterns or tendencies that I used to have around food or my body or weight. And I can very much kind of draw that correlation. The problem I think is that for most of us, we don't actually realize that these are essentially optional, right? We just think, oh, this is just the way it is. This is just the right way for me to do it. Or this is how it's always been, been done. Um, or, you know, this is like normal, right? I mean, how normalized has diet talk become of like, yeah, I just need to work out or oh my gosh, I'm being so bad, you know, by mm -hmm. eating chips or, you know, whatever that thing is. And so I think the first step is like, let's just bring some awareness. Let's kind of shed some light on this. And then let's start to understand a little bit about why you do what you do with food. So that would be kind of like that first step. And then I think the next step is let's kind of start to explore what you want this to look like. Like, what do you want food to look like for you? Or how do you want that to feel like for me, predominant thoughts are like, I just want food to be something that feels super easy. It feels doable. I'm not doing what I call like food math all day long in my head, trying to calculate macros or calories. Um, and I just, I wanted to feel like a lifestyle. And for me, that really was this big turning point of recognizing that the quote unquote lifestyle that I was living really was a diet. And it wasn't necessarily because of the actions, but I think more the heart and the intention driving it. So what were those thoughts that were fueling it? What were the emotions that were fueling me or you know, driving me to take XYZ actions around food or exercise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the asking yourself about what is your food story? Because man, you know, we've all been raised in a different culture and by different, you know, influences, just like the other things in our life. But what I've learned too is, and I'm sure you've seen this is the whole point of that is because our stories feel like facts. They really do. They feel true. But 
that doesn't mean that they are. And I love that we do have options. And so that's another thing that I explore with myself and with my clients too, is like, so who would I be without this story? You know, who would I be without this way of thinking around food in this cat, in this situation? And to me, that even opens up the whole freedom of not even really there being such a thing as bad food versus good food, because then it still, it feels very like it doesn't feel optional anymore. And that's for me. So is that kind of what you experience too, where some clients, they say like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be able to eat donuts again or pizza again. And doesn't that still feel very like you're trapped? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that you touched on a really important aspect of the work that I do. It's like, let's just kind of take the morality out of food. Let's kind of neutralize all foods and Mm -hmm. sort of put them on kind of this uh, even, I must say evil playground, even play playing field um, to where I'm not inherently a better person for eating something or I'm not inherently a worse person for eating something else. Um, Because that too, you know, that's that diet chatter of like, oh my gosh, I was so bad this weekend. I ate all of these things. Now I got to, you know, work it off. And um, that really just doesn't serve anything. Right. And when we think about, okay, if I'm showing up this way, how am I making decisions around food? Probably not in a way that's going to ultimately support, you know, my long-term goals or any results that I want to create in my life. Um, But also this was kind of what we were talking about before we hit record is it's really looking at, you know, the way that we are maybe judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves and condemning ourselves a little bit based on food choices or exercise choices, or even choices around alcohol. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just think that there is no way that we can really come into a sense of full healing from that place. I think, you know, that's where the whole idea of grace and compassion comes into is that, hey, like, yeah, you are going to mess up and that's okay. Like, you know, that's part of the journey. That's part of the process. And if we sit there and kind of beat ourselves up for it, um, then we're kind of closing ourselves off from really being able to experience healing and freedom and then to be able to move forward. So yes, I'm totally an advocate for, we need to just kind of like, what if we just looked at all foods as being the same in the sense that one's not worse or better than the other. And to take it a step further, one of the most helpful things to think about for myself when I first started this journey was I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however much of it I want. And then suddenly that took kind of that forbidden fruit feeling out of it to where it was like, Ooh, I'm just going to eat a bunch of this because I know then tomorrow I'm not going to eat any, or then I'm never eating it again. Whereas like, if I could have this all the time, suddenly the allure isn't really there anymore. Mm, I love that. Well, and that's the thing too. I, I really feel like even now where I'm at with wine, like, I can sit down with a friend and they can have wine. I can see it. I can see that it's, you know, still, you know, talked about and, you know, some people are able to have, you know, a little bit here and there. And, 
it's, it takes the whole, for me, I don't, I never wanted to get to a place where I'm just like, I have to be like, oh, well, I can never, never have that again. And, you know, that's just this bad, this bad thing. You know, I always tell people like, I'm not the crazy alcohol lady. Like you can drink around me <laughs> and you yeah. can even talk about it and talk about wine and whatever. But because I just know that that's something that I have just decided that doesn't serve me. It, it doesn't feel well, you know, I, I didn't want it to turn out to be like this, like I'll never be able to have that again mindset. I get to choose. I'll never be able to have it again. And I'm sure there's people that decide I had a, a, a client the other day at the salon and she said, you know, I used to really love bread. I'm Italian for goodness sakes. And I did the whole 30 because I had some serious gut stuff going on and that was her strategy for it to clean out some stuff. And she said, as soon as I added in bread, I felt miserable. So she's like, you know, I just hadn't had bread in two years. And so sometimes those are those cases too, when you just know, but to, to me, that still goes back to choices because I can choose and she could now she could go and, and taste bread and it would be, you know, maybe she would enjoy it, but she knows that the consequence is physical sickness. Mm -hmm. So how can we learn to be, I'm going to just kind of roll into this because this has helped me lately too. Like I have really been working on being more aware of when I do eat certain things without the judgment in my mind is asking myself, how is this making me feel? Cause I've discovered now that Mexican food, I feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just choosing now when I go, maybe just eat some chips and salsa and let my family eat all the other junk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like you touched on, it's just, it is recognizing and coming back to the choice. So whether with your client about the bread or even yourself with the Mexican food, it's, it's just being like, this is fully my choice. But I think also we have to kind of look at approaching it without the judgment, without the restriction or the deprivation of like, oh, I can't have this, or I can only have a certain amount because then I do, you know, that does kind of trigger that response to want to keep having it, right? Because we feel like we're at the power of, in this case, the food, the bread or the Mexican food. Whereas when we are giving ourselves full permission to eat whatever we want, whenever we want, however much we want, that kind of takes that emotional tension down a few notches. And then we can actually think through and process, do I want this? How does this food make me feel? does this maybe align or not align with specific goals that I'm working on or working towards, but it just totally like melts away that feeling of like, I want this. And like you said, the willpower, right. Of like, we're just, it just feels like this tight grip of like, Oh, I'm just not going to eat this. I'm just going to hold out. But then eventually the willpower runs out and we cave. Mm -hmm. And you know what you say, <laughs> yeah, your our brains, they crack me up sometimes. <laughs> what you say you're not going to have is the thing you think about the entire time. <laughs> yeah. When when your method makes total sense, because then you're there's nothing specific. You're like, oh, well, I can just have whatever I want whenever I want. Mm -hmm. And then there's like no pressure of that. So how can you take that idea? Because I, this is what I hear a lot, and I'm sure you do too. I was so good during the week. I stuck to my plan and then it, I just derailed on the weekend. And then the whole mindset of, I think you touched on it earlier of like, 
well, oh, I've had pizza. I can't believe I did that. I was so bad. And then that whole snowball effect. Like, what are some tools that you teach that help us not only to the beginning mindset of, you know, doing good all week versus going off the rail, but then how do we speak to ourselves if we do quote unquote slip up? Yeah, I think, you know, this was something else we touched on before we started recording as well. It's like just thinking about it as if there were no on or off plan or there is no on or off the track or on or off the wagon, right? Like, I think even just that idea is very much rooted kind of in that diet mentality of like, if I'm, you know, on track, then I'm eating according to this diet and according to, you know, this plan. But then when I'm off, typically we tend to be all the way off, right? It's not just a little bit. And so for me, that was like a huge distinction of diet versus lifestyle. Lifestyle, it feels like you can just kind of go with the different ebbs and flows of life. Um, you can have maybe one day where you don't eat a lot of vegetables for whatever reason. And then another day where you know, you're eating so many vegetables and it just never feels like this rigid on or off the wagon, it just feels like life, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas that diet, it does feel very much like these are the rails, this is the track, and I cannot deviate from this. And so for anybody that's listening, if you do find yourself thinking like, man, I just, I can be so good for like the first three days of the week, and then Wednesday hits, and it's all downhill from there, or Friday night hits, and then all bets are off, and I'm eating, you know, I just find myself eating all of this stuff, that is the diet mentality at work. And so I would just invite you to just explore that a little bit, explore, you know, what's this idea of like being good or being on plan or being on track and just really kind of start to dig into that. And I think that, you know, if you truly are approaching food from this position that all foods are neutral, that you are totally in control and responsible for making your food decisions and your food choices, and that none are quote unquote right or wrong, then you just start to make decisions a little bit differently. And then I think recognizing that if you are going to eat according to a specific plan or a specific diet, um, really, you know, number one, like making sure that that aligns with you and really what you want, right? Because again, that's the difference of using diet as a noun versus going on a diet and using that as a verb. Mm -hmm. When I think of diet, it's like, oh, it's a vegetarian diet. It's like a vegetarian lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle or a keto lifestyle. But when we're approaching it with sort of this quick fix, I'm only going to do this until I lose the X amount of weight that I want. We're not actually sold into the lifestyle aspect of it. So again, like if you are following a plan or a diet, I would just check in with yourself. Like, is this a lifestyle that you're committed to, or are you using it as sort of a means to an end? And then, then again, that's where it becomes very much this all or nothing black or white. I'm either on track or I'm off plan and off the wagon. Hmm. Such a good point. Cause I mean, there's real reasons to be uh, more vegetarian you know, whether it's healthy reasons or even, you know, uh, belief type reasons. But as long as, like you said, that feels more in alignment. And then within that diet framework, 
still the freedom of I can have what I want when I want within this healthy um, or determined diet lifestyle. I've even heard it called like little D is like how you live out your, you know, your dietary lifestyle versus the, you know, capital D, the, the names, the, you know, the specifics, whether it's the, the old school Atkins diet or. Which is now just keto. Keto. Yeah. Cause I will say, I mean, that's one thing that I fully, you know, admit to and say that I can even vouch when I look back over my life of all the things I tried, my intentions were, oh, well, I'm going to do this diet because this thing says that it's going to help me either lose weight, burn fat, or make me feel better. So I'm just going to do it and not even care. And it, it actually took me more out of my mind and out of my awareness because I was just doing this robotic, eat all these foods. So, and most of the time they backfired. (laughs) I felt bad or either sometimes I gain weight. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, I think it is that it's, so it is just like, again, checking, like, how are you approaching it? Are you approaching it because you actually want to make that a lifestyle for you? In which case, if it truly is a lifestyle, there is no wagon. Like you're just always on the wagon, always on the journey. Um, And then I think, you know, the other part of it too, which this is something that I've been learning more and more about recently is women's hormones and how we respond differently than men do, or even women in different um, seasons of life around their menstrual cycle and things like that our bodies are gonna respond to different food stimulus or exercise stimulus very differently in even within a month, but also in just different seasons of life. And so I think, you know, that's the other thing that I really just wanna bring awareness to is that you may or may not be getting results with a certain diet or workout program um, because of all the reasons that we've talked about here, but also, hormonally, like a lot of the research that's being done isn't actually being done on menstruating women. So what may work in these quote unquote studies, you really have to look at, well, who are the people that they were doing this research on? And does that uh, fit, like, does that, you know, fit the demographic of who I am? Hmm. So there is a little bit of like the science stuff behind it as well. Um, but by and large, I think, you know, if you're approaching it as a diet, as a quick fix, as something that you have to do, uh, then that is typically where it doesn't end very well for people. Mm. Yes. So true. Because I'm sure there's, um, there's women listening and that they're like, you know, listen, I've, I've, I've tried all this, but for some reason my body's not responding, but I have even done, I guess this probably within the last year, learned about more of the cycle sinking and just been more aware. And I'm 46 of like, Oh wow. All the things that are changes going through my body and my energy levels and what, what weeks during the month that I'm like, Ooh, ooh I'm energetic and I want to do this type of workout. Cause it feels good versus ooh, I'm drained. And there again, if we are, in this mindset of not being aware of our body and doing what we're told to do, let's just say you're part of this fitness program and you get to your, you know, your week where you're low energy, 
and you're doing more of a hardcore workout, wouldn't you say too that you're more prone to injury and things like that too when you're doing something outside of what your body needs? Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. I think it goes along with the part of your cycle that you're in and also sleep levels, stress levels, which could impact your workouts or whatever at any point in your cycle, right? Like if you're not sleeping very well, stress is really high in life and at work, and then you're also adding the stress of the super intense exercises on top of that, it's essentially pouring gas on a fire and you're going to start to create the opposite effects of what you're wanting with cortisol and stuff like that, but also you're way more prone to injury as well. And then all of that goes up, especially around, um, you know, the first few days before your, your period. And then, you know, of course, during your period, then that also increases uh, risk of injury as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been a huge game changer for me, just that awareness. And now lucky me, I'm in perimenopause. So <laughs> again anyway yeah it's changing anyway but it's just like really I was just getting in the groove of this and understanding this and now I'm like well I don't know if my app is really true or not because you know this is not the same schedule I was two months ago so but the point of that is is I'm aware of my body now more than ever before you know Mm -hmm. especially during my drinking days are you kidding me the only awareness I had was uh I don't feel this isn't pleasant. I'm going to drink or woohoo. This is what I'm going to call fun. I'm going to drink or we're going, you know, so now I love that about myself uh, that I am more aware. And so that's why these conversations are really exciting and fun for me because this is a newer journey for me with this whole food thing. And I love what you teach and I definitely want you to share your, um, your podcast for sure, because you've got so much great information and content. I know they're going to want to find you. And then, uh, before we finish up, I just want you to, you know, if you've got the person listening that are sort of like, girl, I've been eating. I just feel bad all the time. I'm not sleeping well. I'm just really in a funk, you know, give me those few little like something that will help me these next few weeks to even regain our energy and to start to feel a little better so that they can want to be more aware of their body. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the things that we've really highlighted and have talked about here would be a great place to start. Um, but even more than that, I think that there is so much value in journaling and just kind of keeping track. So, uh, I think that, you know, a good first step, if you're like, I'm just not really feeling good, or maybe you're not proud of the choices that you've been making around food, or you're wanting to make some different ones. um, One of the first things I would maybe have you do is to kind of keep a food journal for a couple days. And not necessarily maybe in the same way that you're used to tracking food, where it's like, I ate 20 almonds and 200 calories or peanut butter, whatever that is, but more like, you know, this is what I ate. This was how I was kind of feeling before. This was how I felt afterwards. Um, This was why I ate. So it's, you know, just really kind of helping you to start to understand how you have really been experiencing um, becoming a little bit more in tune with your body. So just becoming a little bit more aware of, oh, when I eat this, I start to feel like this, right? 
And then sometimes that makes it a little bit easier for us to want to make changes because then it's like, oh, like, you know, if I eat bread and I have this response to it, what's more important that I get to eat the bread or that I don't feel crappy if, you know, if bread doesn't make you feel good. So I think just kind of journaling from that place of just kind of that, just bringing an overall awareness um, to, you know, the reasons that you're eating, how you were feeling like maybe emotionally before eating, or were you feeling incredibly ravenous because you haven't eaten all day? Um, how did you feel after eating? Did you feel guilty about what you ate? Did you feel like, you know, did you eat to the point that you were physically full and stuffed? All of that stuff is just going to bring some awareness to your current behaviors around food. And then I would, you know, do that, like write out what is my food story? like from the earliest memory that you have, or maybe those highlight moments that really stuck out to you. These were the overarching messages that I got about food or about weight or my body. Um, again, to just kind of see like, okay, so now maybe I can kind of connect some of my behavior that I just journaled about with different messages that I received growing up. Um, so again, you know, I'm a big advocate for, we've got to get some awareness. And then that next step is really helping you to kind of understand, right? So it's like, now that we see all of this stuff, mm -hmm. let me help myself understand why. And then um, I think the third thing is doing those body scans that we talked about, mm -hmm. that you and I talked about, I think last year or whenever that was about, you know, just checking in with yourself, like, when you get the urge to eat, it's really just taking a, a pause. And I call these little speed bump moments of, okay, I'm just going to pause in five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. So if I still want to go eat or if I'm still hungry, I totally can. But just giving yourself that little bit of a break, again, kind of helps you to bring some awareness to, okay, why am I going to the cupboard to get the Oreos out? What's going on? Like, do I want, do I actually want these Oreos or is there something else that maybe needs a little bit of attention? Like, am I needing some love and some attention in a different way? Mm -hmm. Same, you know, that's the beginning of the same with the alcohol journey is and anything really, if we're trying to grow and improve, it's very, I'm going to say almost impossible. <laughs> Don't, yeah, I like to use universals, but it's pretty darn close. If you're really just not aware and take the time, because I know you hear this too, and it's, I get it. People will just say, oh, it's just hard. And I'm like, I know, and that's okay. Because the hard is, I feel like, man, that's when we really grow. Mm -hmm. And this is a challenge. And then I'm even more proud of myself when I get on the other side of the hard too. Mm -hmm. But it's just really pausing and, and, and doing that, checking in with your body and then and waiting. I like how you said, just wait, just give it a little time to see if anything shifts or changes or comes up. And I think being very clear, like I'm going to give myself 10 minutes. If I still want, want to get the chips, I'm going to do, you know, I'll do it. But then you're not making your decision based on default thinking or, you know, just the normal behavior pattern, the normal way of coping with whatever emotion is coming up. Um, and then, you know, to also just kind of speak to that a little bit more, it's like, you know, either way, it's uncomfortable. You're just picking whether or not it's going to be uncomfortable in the moment and you're going towards growth 
and you know that that discomfort is going to ultimately ultimately be moving you toward what you want, or you're just postponing the discomfort because it's it's going to come back. Like if you numb with food, if you numb with alcohol, if you you know numb with exercise or TV or you know whatever it is, like that emotion that you are trying so hard to run away from, to avoid, to resist, it will just keep coming back and it just keeps kind of compounding. So you get to kind of pick your heart. Do you want it to be hard with a purpose or do you just want it to be hard? Ah, hard with a purpose. I love it. How do you feel about before we go? Cause I just, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but I know we, we don't have time for that. Um, how do you feel about, cause what popped in my head was like, good grief. We set timers for everything. We set reminders for everything. Like, would it be cool if we just said, you know what, I'm going to just get in the habit of setting these little, you know, 10 minute timers and then check back in with myself. Do you, do you think that someone really needs to stop and, and be there in the moment, those 10 minutes, or is it something where I can just like, okay, I want some chips, but Alicia said this, you know, cause right now, Sometimes I sit like she told me to do this, so this is what I'm practicing. So, you know, do I set a timer and then maybe go put a little load of laundry in, or is this something where you're like, okay, no, I really need you to like kind of be there in your body? I think probably initially being there with your body is the most valuable, right? Because that's going to really help you kind of understand. Because again, like if the habit is I get home from work. And it's been a long, you know, it's a long day. I'm tired. I'm stressed. And my go-to is I get home and I go grab the ice cream or I go grab the chips or I go grab the wine out of the refrigerator. I don't exactly know what's going on, right? Like it's just is this habit loop that's built in. Somewhere along the lines, your brain figured out that if I eat ice cream when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling anxious or if I have a glass of wine instead of having the tough conversation, I'm going to feel better temporarily. So our brain goes to that thing because it's like, Ooh, I'm feeling this way. I'm connecting it to this, uh, this thing over here that makes me not feel this at least temporarily. Mm -hmm. So pausing to really sit with yourself and it's like, okay, what am I feeling in this moment? Well, you know, hmm, that's so interesting. I wonder why I'm going after these chips or this ice cream. And I think when we ask it in that way of like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what's going on here. That melts that judgment away. Like it just opens the door for openness and curiosity to come in. And then you just wait. What's the response that your brain is offering up to you? Yeah, I like it. And it, yeah, all this can go with anything you're working on. Cause I love the, just the, mm, that's interesting. I even talk about that with, um, as those sometimes the negative thoughts or the, the critical thoughts come in, or maybe that little version of me that's, you know, in me that's has a, you know, is trying to be nice and protect me from something, you know, if I'm about to do something scary or, you know, maybe be more visible, just the not pushing it down and resisting it, but going, Oh, okay. That's interesting, but no, thank you. You know, or I'm not going to like hang on to that and let that thought flow through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. I just talked about that on my Instagram or in my social media today about an unmanaged mind 
if you think about it, it's like a toddler, right? Without any, there's no barricades in the house. There's no baby gates up. There's no latches on the drawers or the cupboards. And so this, you know, your unmanaged mind is just kind of running around wild like a toddler through a house. Whereas when we start to kind of put up these baby gates, so to speak, in our minds, then you have kind of these parameters, right? But I just love even that idea of like redirecting. It was so much easier instead of constantly telling the kids, no, 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 you can't have this or don't do that, to just redirect them to something that I wanted them to play with instead. And our mind is no different, right? Like if you just think, oh, what's happening right now and what's been happening until I've become aware of my thoughts is just like a toddler running loose, getting into all the things. But I can just kind of come in like that loving parent and like, hey, actually, you know, we're not going to talk like this anymore. And so that maybe is the baby gate. And, you know, then we start to put these little things in place. And then we just gently, lovingly redirect or distract our mind with the things that we want it to be thinking on and focusing on instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful. I love this stuff. So good. All right. So tell everybody what your podcast is and where to find you. And then I'll also put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so my podcast is the strong her way it's on all major platforms. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Alicia Carlson underscore or Facebook. Um, I think my username over on Facebook is the same as well at Alicia Carlson underscore. Um, and there, you know, my podcast is all things kind of food, freedom, fitness, and life transformation. Um, so we talk things about body image, about food, about exercise, um, but also, you know, our identity, like even just as women and us kind of deciding what we want that to be or what we want that concept of ourselves to be rather than just living into the one that we've sort of have absorbed or that we feel like has really been passed down to us. So mm, good stuff. Well, thank you for all your beautiful knowledge and this great conversation. And um, I look forward to doing it again someday. I know I'll have to have you on my show. Thank you so much for Yay. having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.